Yesterday we were going over, um, my wife and I, the hymns for today, and she, we practiced, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, she came to that one that we just sang, Rise Up, O Men of God. And, and she just about in tears said, you know, boy, we really need men of God to rise up in this day. And so let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 18. And we're going to be looking at some things about um, a godly father, and certainly there's um, many examples in scripture, but I like the one that we're going to look at today um, regarding the man Abraham, because we have, and the passage we're going to start off with in Genesis 18, we have God's testimony concerning Abraham, and it doesn't get any better than that when God testifies of someone's character or anything about them that we really need to sit up and take notice. And so Genesis 18, let's pick it up in verse 17, and this is when God is looking, overlooking Sodom and Gomorrah and planning what to do there. It ended up with the city being destroyed. And so that's what the Lord is talking about in verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him. Now here's God's testimony. I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And that, by the way, that which he has spoken is referring to the Abrahamic covenant. And so we're going to look at that a little bit as we go through the message today. But let's pray before we go any further. Father, we're thankful, so thankful to be able to be here today, and I do pray for the help of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the message, and God in heaven, we're thankful for this day, the Lord's Day, and also Father's Day, as we remember our fathers, and most of, a lot of us here this morning, our fathers are already in heaven, and yet, Lord, help us who are here to rise up, as the hymn says, help us to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Word of God. And help us as we are in the Word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so again, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and to all the sons and daughters in attendance today. If you have a father still, that you might honor him today. And so, obviously, <clears throat> there's only one perfect father. Um, and that's our Heavenly Father. And thank God he is our Father um, through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and yet, our goal as a father should be to be like him. That's the greatest thing we could ever be, is to be like him, to be like Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 5.48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And so Jesus set that before his disciples in Matthew 5, what is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the word perfect is used here and throughout the Bible. It means to be mature, to be complete. It means to be everything that God would have us to be um, godly in every area of our life. Obviously, no one can become um, sinlessly perfect here in this life, 
but to be more and more like Christ um, every day. And so this morning, I'd like us to look into scriptures that deal with a truly godly man and father, Abraham. A godly father is my subject for this morning. And take a look at three things about Abraham's life that, guys, we, we can all aspire to. And obviously, uh, ladies, you can help us in this uh, by being godly um, yourselves. But first of all, I want us to take a look at Abraham's personal life. And by his personal life, I mean his relationship with God, his walk with God. So let's go back to Genesis 12 for just a few minutes and read some things there about Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. And what we have in the first three verses is the brief summary of the Abrahamic covenant um, promises that God made to Abram in Genesis 12. And by the time we get to chapter 18 of Genesis, his name has been changed to Abraham. So Abram, now verse. look at verse number 1. Um, verses 1 through 4 speaks of Abraham's call and his obedience. And so, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so God gave promises to Abram back in that day concerning his family, concerning his uh, descendants, that they would become a great nation. And so that nation, of course, was the nation Israel. And um, he would, his name, God said, I will bless thee, verse 2, I will make thy name great. And here we are uh, today, uh, 4,000 years later, talking about Abraham. And so Abraham did, uh, God did make his name great. People all over the world know about Abraham. Okay? In fact, the Jewish people, um, as we've been going through Luke normally on Sunday mornings, Abraham's name has come up and it will keep coming up because the people of Israel cherish the name and the memory of Abraham. And then, thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And he certainly was. And then he goes on to say, the, the blessing upon those who bless thee. And it's interesting, God repeated the same promise to Isaac and Jacob, Abraham's son and grandson, as the nation of Israel was actually being formed. And of course, Jacob is known that the, the uh, nation was called the children of Israel, the 12 tribes and, and all those things. And God said that he will bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them. And history certainly bears out what happens when nations turn on Israel and so forth. And that's not the main idea of the message, but it's important to keep in mind. And at the end of verse 3, God says, And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And that, of course, has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew starts off by saying, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
So the Lord Jesus Christ was a descendant. Mary was a descendant of David and Abraham. And so, yes, that word has been fulfilled and is still being fulfilled. Through Christ, through the gospel, people are being saved and, and all, families all over the world are being blessed. So there's the call. Briefly stated, God's called Abraham. And then we see his obedience in verse 4. So Abram departed. Now, interesting, isn't it, that he said, uh, leave your family, your home, your land, and uh, go, go to a land I will show thee. I mean, God, Abraham didn't even know. Hebrews said, chapter 11, that he went out not knowing where he went. So when God called Abraham and Abraham left, he didn't know where he was, where he was going. But he went. He, he, he departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. And so as he went on his journey, they came into the promised land in chapter number 12. In verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed, unto his, to his descendants, will I give this land. Okay, so he made a promise. And there... He builded he, that is Abraham, built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the, on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So we're talking about Abraham's personal life, his walk with the Lord. So he made two stops. He came into the to the place called uh, Sychem or Shechem, and he built an altar there, and then he moved down to Bethel. Bethel means house of God, and he built an altar there. So Abraham established a pattern, a, a habit, if you will, a practice of worshiping God and building an altar, which is what they did in those days. So the altar was to offer sacrifice for sin, and it was a place of worship. And so Abraham did that. Now the Bible tells us that when why God called him out of the land where he was is that they were idol worshippers. So Abraham was brought up within idolatry and idol worship, but God called him out of that. And so Abraham obviously gave his life to the Lord and became a follower of, of Jehovah Elohim, uh, the God of Israel. Uh, let's go to um, Genesis 15, and we're going to take a look at um, Abraham's faith. Obviously, building an altar, worshiping God, was an act of faith. But when you get to chapter 15, we have, if you want to call it this, Abraham's official profession of faith in the Lord. Genesis chapter 15. By the way, at this time, Abraham had no children. He had no son. Right? He was, so he was still waiting for God to, to, to fulfill that promise. But um, chapter 15, verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, his chief servant or steward was Eliezer. And Abraham, Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, 
and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Now that was a custom. That was kind of a worldwide custom in those days. If a man had no sons, no children, then the oldest servant would inherit everything. And so God is, Abraham is kind of like saying, this is the one, since I don't have a son, then it's going to fall to Eliezer. And verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. In other words, his own physical seed. And he, that is God, brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars. In other words, count all the stars you can see. If thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So God said to Abraham, Your descendants, your offspring, are going to be as many in number as the stars. And look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now that's mentioned in both, that statement is mentioned in Romans and in Galatians, comparing it to saving faith, that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, God imputes that to us or credits that to us for righteousness. And so they're all, so all these things all fit together. But here at this point in his life, Abraham believed in the Lord. He officially, if you will, put his trust in God to fulfill his promises. All right, now we're going to, let's take a look at the book of Isaiah for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 41, and then we're going to come back to Genesis. But Isaiah 41, another, another testimony of God concerning Abraham. Alright, Isaiah chapter 41, the prophet Isaiah. Just a simple verse. Isaiah 41 and verse 8. Notice what it says there. God is speaking, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. So God calls Abraham my friend, and the New Testament picks up on that, where it mentions he was called the friend of God. So the word friend is the idea of to, to, to be a friend, to be an ally, to like, to, to have that spiritual love, that relationship. And certainly God and Abraham had a relationship with one another spiritually. And there's many cases, in fact, the passage that we start off with in Genesis 18 is God communes with Abraham, the Bible says. And so they fellowship together. And it says to show covenant loyalty. So not only was Abraham a friend to God, God was a friend to Abraham. The idea there of covenant loyalty. And God was faithful to Abraham, and Abraham was faithful to God, right? Not perfect, like nobody's perfect. Abraham made a couple mistakes, pretty bad ones, but God helped, God forgave him, and he, he rose up like our song, Rise up, O men of God. And he rose up, and he went on for the Lord. And so that's his personal life. We could say a lot more about that, but Abraham walked with God. He had a personal relationship with God. You know, I read 
years ago, I heard somebody say this, the best thing a man, a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And I would say that's true, but that's the second best thing, all right? The best thing a father can do for his children is worship God and teach them to worship God and be a leader, an example of worship and let people know, especially these days, that we stand for the Lord. All right, now let's go back to Genesis um, 18 once again. We read this already, but to remind us, the second thing about Abraham that I want us to look at today is his parental life, his parental life, his relationship with his son, Isaac, all right? And so he finally did. He had a son, but when, when God spoke to him, met with him, in Genesis 18, um, Isaac wasn't born yet. But let's, let's, again, let's take a look at God's testimony concerning Abraham. Let's pick, we read the verses already. Let's just look at verse 19. God says, For I know him. And that's a tremendous thought right there. I know him. The Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows us by name. All right? So I know him, he says, that he will command his children and his household after him, his descendants, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And so... Again, God says that he knew Abraham would do that. And Abraham, as a godly father, even though he wasn't one yet, he wasn't a father yet, God was preparing him for that time, establishing that personal relationship. And so when Isaac came along, and that's chapter 21, let's go to Genesis chapter 21 and take a look at God's truth, and that is that God kept his promise. God kept his promise in Genesis 21. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, Genesis 21.1, and the, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And God re repeated his promise several times. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. So Isaac, and Isaac means laughter, okay, because they, they, they rejoice. And, and Sarah laughed at his birth. One time Sarah laughed at God's promise. God said, I'm going to do it. There's nothing too hard for me. So Abraham was 99 years old, and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born, all right? And uh, uh, Sarah had never, the Bible says that she was barren. In other words, Sarah had never been able to have children. And so the Bible said she was kind of doubly incapable because she had never been able to, and now she was past age. Well, God, in fact, he said, God said, I'll, I'll return to her according to the time of life. So we could say, in essence, that God turned back the clock in Sarah's body and enabled her to conceive. And so she and Abraham had a son. And it says as he was 100. Okay, Abraham was 100 years old. His son Isaac was born unto him. Sarah was 90. 
and says that God, if made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And then verse 4, I don't want to skip that, Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. So God commanded Abraham, and God said Abraham is going to command his children. He's going to make them do what's right. He's going to give them the commands I gave him. One of those was circumcision, and so he did that. All right, now let's go to Genesis 22 and see God's testing. And this is certainly a famous account in the life of Abraham. A God tested him. Genesis 22, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things, that after his birth and so on, that God did tempt Abraham tested him, in other words, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, here I am. That's another thing about Abraham. When God called, he listened and he responded. He presented himself. And he said, God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And so God put this test before Abraham and uh, to take his son Isaac. Now, as you, if you've read the story in the Bible, you know that God never intended for Abraham to actually kill his son, and, but he was testing his faith, his obedience. And I'll tell you something before we even go through. Abraham passed, as we would say, he passed with flying colors. He absolutely aced the test, all right? In fact, in verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning. Saddled his ass, got his donkey, two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and clave the wood, cut the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went into the place of which God had told him. Okay? On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Talk about Abraham's faith. Verse 5, Abraham said unto his young men, his helpers, Abide ye here with the ass, with the donkey, and I and the lad... In other words, my, me and my son will go yonder. We're going to go a little ways further and worship and come again to you. So God, Abraham says, we're going to go do our do worship. We're going to do what God told me to do, and we're going to come back. And Abraham took the wood, verse 6, of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, that is the fire to start on the altar, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac was probably a teenager by this time, he wasn't just a little kid. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac, you know, he's figured he, something's missing. What is it? I mean, among other things, that tells us that God, that Abraham instructed his family, his wife and his son. He, Isaac knew already about the animal sacrifice, the lamb that was offered on the altar as a covering for sin. He knew all about that. And he's thinking, my, my father forgot something. <laughs> um... Where is, the, where is the lamb? I love Abraham's answer. And Abraham said, My son, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. 
So they went, both of them, together. Now think about Abraham's statement, and then think about, let's see, 2,000 years later, uh, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's preaching and baptizing, and he sees Jesus come, and Abraham makes that, or I mean, yeah, John the Baptist makes that great statement. What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So Abraham already knew that. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But um, So he says God will provide himself. And he did. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, gave himself as a lamb. So they went, to, they went on. They went both of them together. So, and, and here's Isaac. Um, obviously Abraham is a picture of the father. God the Father, willing to offer his son. And Isaac is a, a picture of Christ as being the obedient son, ready to do the will of God. You see that in all this? And they came to the place, verse 9, which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And I know, obviously, by this time, Isaac realizes that he is the sacrifice. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I don't know if he had tears. I don't know how uh, Abraham's heart must have just... I can only imagine. His, poor, his heart must have been thumping, right? He, he must have been shaking. And, and, uh, he, because God said, you know, I want you to take your son that you love. I mean, Isaac was the joy of Abraham's life and heart. And so he's, but he's ready. He's ready to obey completely. And praise God, we would say in the nick of time, God had everything under control. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. No, he said it twice. Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. In other words, you're, you're, you're reverent to God. You're submitted to God. Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So that word, me, establishes the fact that this angel of the Lord was none other than Christ himself appearing as he did many times in the Old Testament. Okay? And Abraham, verse 13, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So God's, when Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb, you know, the immediate fulfillment was that ram caught in the thicket with, by his horns. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord will see, and therefore the Lord will provide. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and it's not withheld thy son and only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. See, God's repeating his promise. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. God said he would, and he did. So Abraham returned. Right? Remember, Abraham said to those young men, 
my son and I went up here to worship and we're coming back. And they went back to his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And so, let's turn to Hebrews 11 for just a moment to see what the writer of Hebrews, what his comment is or was on that, that whole episode with Abraham and Isaac. And let's see some great things there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is the chapter of faith. It is the heroes and heroines of the faith, the men and women of God who trusted God and many of them against impossible odds, humanly speaking, but God did for them. So Hebrews 11.19, now get, this is amazing. This, this gives us more, even more insight into the person of Abraham. All right? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, in other words, tested, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So the Bible says there, that Abraham, in his mind, in his heart, he reckoned, he counted, if I offer my son and, and he dies, my God, my God will raise him back from the dead because... He's the promised son, and the covenant depends on Isaac. The seed through Isaac and all that. And so the Bible says that that's what Abraham counted on. That's the word accounting there means to count on or to reckon. And then it says he received him in a figure. So uh, as Isaac coming off the altar alive was a picture of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he received him. The, the idea there is that, that through when receiving Isaac off the altar, doing all that they did, he was actually receiving the Lord. And I believe when Jesus said in John 8, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad, that one of the things that he was referring to, Jesus was talking about, was that whole thing with Isaac on the altar and off the altar. And by the way, who was there? Jesus was there when all that, he was watching when all that took place. Wonderful, wow, wonderful, wonderful. All right, now, God, don't, and God will never, right? God will never, ever, ever tell one of us to slaughter our children, right? Some of these wackos over the years have said, well, the God told me to do this. No, no, God doesn't do that. This is the only time God ever said anything like that. And he never, never intended for God, or for Abraham, to actually slay his son. But it was a wonderful lesson and a picture for us. All right, now, last thing today. Um, let's go back to the book of Genesis and take a look at Abraham's prophetic life. So his personal life, his relationship with God, his parental life, his relationship with Isaac, and his prophetic life, his relationship to the Word of God. All right, And God spoke to Abraham, and, and God did that. And, and when Abraham received the Word of God, he followed it. Now, um, let's just take a look in, in Genesis 20. Now, talking about one of the mistakes that Abraham made as he, as they're journeying um, to Gerar, and he 
knows it's a foreign country, he knows it's Gentiles, Philistines, and so on. And so he says to Sarah, you know, I'm concerned because you're really beautiful, and if they see you, they're going to they're gonna kill me and take you, and so just tell everybody that you're my sister. <laughs> so he had a lapse in faith and a lapse in judgment. Sure enough, Abimelech took her, right? Well, God appeared to him, to, to Bimelech, and said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And uh, so Abimelech said to the Lord, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that she was his wife. I thought he was, she was his sister, and so on. And uh, by the way, it even tells us back in those days, look at verse 4 of Genesis 20. Sorry for the rambling here, but in Genesis chapter 20, Abimelech tells a testimony. Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she even herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet." In other words, a prophet was somebody in those days who received the word from God and followed it and even shared it, even taught it, and so forth. Um, I like what Abimelech says in verse 10. Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? Like, Abimelech said to Abraham, what, what did you see in our country that made you think you had to do this? We're godly people. Is what Abimelech saying? That's really neat. And so Abraham prayed and so on, and God blessed Abimelech. The rest of the chapter talks about that. All right, now let's go to um, the Romans, or I'm sorry, John eight, and then we're going to go to Romans really quick, and then I think then we'll be just we'll be done, okay? But in John chapter eight, this is that passage I referred to earlier, and. And we're going to just take a few verses here. Um, Hopefully this is a very familiar passage. It's where Jesus is having a controversy with the leaders of Israel. They still didn't believe who who Jesus was. Um, Let's pick it up in verse 56. I, I mentioned this verse a little while ago. So Jesus says to the Jews, to the, his enemies, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Before verily I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And he's claiming there to be equal with God. Moses said to God, What is your name? God said, I am that I am. And thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am, as sent me to do. And they knew exactly what he was saying, because verse 59, then took they up stones to cast at him. They wanted to stone Jesus to death, because they knew he was claiming to be God. But God, Abraham, saw Jesus' day by faith. Now, um, let's go to Romans 4, all right? Romans 4, and that's the last scripture that we're going to look at today. It's also mentioned in Galatians 3, which you can look at later. But let's pick it up. Let's take go to Romans 4. And I'm going to go over to Galatians for just a moment because there's, there's a statement there. But in Romans 4, talking about salvation... 
16, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's the father of all believers. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom you believe. Even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, this is Abraham now, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He staggered not, or, or, sorry, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being persuaded, fully persuaded, that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's Genesis 15.6. That's where the quote comes from. Now, I, wanna, I need to read in Galatians 3, a couple verses for you as well because Galatians 3 makes a statement a very very precious and very important statement concerning again what God did in Abraham's life again it starts off with that quote from Genesis Galatians 3 6 even as Abraham believed God and it was was accounted to him for righteousness now you therefore that are which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen that is the Gentiles through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed and so there's a key word key phrase right there preached before the gospel unto Abraham and that word that statement preached before the gospel means to announce the gospel in advance so this took place about 2,000 years before Christ came to earth. And so God explained the gospel to Abraham way back then. And he believed it, the Bible says. And praise the Lord for that. Well, bringing everything to a close here, we are reminded in the New Testament that the things written in the Old Testament were examples and were written for our learning. Right? So men, there are several things each of us need to be reminded of and challenged about this morning. Number one, how is your personal relationship and walk with God? All right? It is the most important relationship of your life and mine. Of course, that's for every Christian. We're talking to men today. Second, how is your parental life? Are you living a godly life before your wife and children or grandchildren? If you have grandchildren, do you take seriously your responsibility and opportunity to exert a godly influence on them? I've mentioned several times I was not raised in a Christian home, so the first influence on me was my great-grandmother, right? And so praise the Lord for her. Um, her husband had already gone to be the Lord. I understand my great-grandfather was a very godly man, but he died before I was born, so I never had that influence from him. But we can have influence. A lot of us are grandparents here today. According to Ephesians 6, 4, our main duty as men, as fathers, grandfathers, is to bring them up in the nurture. Nurture means training and discipline and admonition, that's teaching, of the Lord. Then number three, how's your prophetic life? None of us here are prophets, but how, how important is the word of God to us? Do you study its great truths often? 
All right? How important is it to, for you to, to gather together and to be under the ministry of God's word? And do your children and grandchildren know that you read the Bible and that you are standing for the Lord? We don't ever under, underestimate. You know, kids, you know, especially children, they get a certain age, they kind of you know, they kind of cringe at their parents and all that. But you know what? That influence is still there. Good or, good or bad. Grandparents. Most grandkids really look up to their grandparents and really love them. What an opportunity to, to influence the grandkids and, and the next generation for the Lord. So may the Lord bless. I hope the word today will be a great help to all of us. All right? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this time we can have in thy precious word today. And may the word of God continue to speak to our hearts and help us to be the men of God that we ought to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books, please. We are going to sing a closing hymn, number 372. <clears throat> 372. And I just ask everybody here, guys, men especially, but to answer this question, hopefully in, in the affirmative. I am. The hymn is, Who is on the Lord's side? All right, who is on the Lord's side. And let's stand, please. Let's just sing the first and the fourth uh, this morning, shall we? 372, verses 1 and 4, Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be his helpers? Other lives to bring. Who will lead the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. Fierce may be the conflict, strong may be the foe, but the Lord King's own army none can overthrow. Round his standard ranging, victory is secure. For his truth unchanging makes the triumph sure. Joyfully enlisting by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Robert, would you close in prayer, please, this morning? Father, we thank you, 
that we might, even as non-fathers, uh, follow these examples of Abraham, Father, be more uh, willing to be followers of Christ. Father, we thank you so much again for this day and for each one here today. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. We ask your blessing on us as we leave. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.